1: Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni. On vSAN, the sports betting network.
2: What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday! Welcome into the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings, alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bon and Tony with you. We got a great couple hours on tap. We've got quarterback conversation to get into, some coaching question marks moving forward, and a whole lot more. But we got to start off finding out some information about the concert last night. Michael, how was Billy Joel?
3: Awesome, awesome. It was great. I mean, 90 shows in a row, he sold out. You know, he's got this residency that's going to come to an end. So that means once a month he plays the garden and it was filled. It was filled to the rafters. Kids, people of all ages, too. That was the great part about it. You know, he hasn't had a new song, Stormy, since I think uh, uh, I think his last song was Famous Last Words. I mean, you know, and so he hasn't really written anything new. And yet people we everybody goes and he brought in some Christmas songs he had his two little girls up there on stage singing you know they were I think one's six and one's four and they were singing really good so it was fun and then uh, you know I thought I thought there was a chance Springsteen might show because he always is a special guest and last night the special guest was Elvis Costello which was great it was awesome I mean what a great time New York City at Christmas there's really nothing better
2: was was that an early Christmas present for anybody or was that just something you guys all wanted to go do that's awesome
3: you know, I think it no it was something we all wanted to do and I think what, you know one of the the benefits of of Mick my son losing his job is he gets to come back here and spend Christmas. Millie and I were always going to go we were always going to take Michelle our daughter-law because she was planning on being here for Christmas because of the Raiders schedule with playing Christmas Day and also playing New Year's Day. So that made sense, but it was tremendous. I mean, God works in mysterious ways. It was awesome to be able to go up there with him and, and enjoy it and the great Bill Berman and his hey, and his yes. wife. So it was awesome. He double vested it. We, it was a fashion trend all over the place. So it was fun.
2: That's amazing. You guys definitely had a, a far superior yeah, time to what I did sitting on my couch yesterday, watching Marshall and UTSA in the Scooter's Coffee Frisco Bowl. Um, you, but...
3: Yeah, I mean, they covered though. You, I mean, didn't Will Hill give out the Texas San Antonio yesterday on the show. So, so it was. Crazy
2: game, too. Marshall goes up and then it ends up being a complete turnaround, which uh, I know Tim Murray was tweeting about it yesterday. How how many of these bowl games, it's like teams get up early and then f- complete flip of the script as the game goes on. So that that was an interesting one. We also got some interesting news this morning about oh, the New no. York Jets, Michael. You know I have to go there. We got to yeah. do it. Um, so today was oh, no. the final day of the 21-day window. Oh, in such wind, a good though. mood. Don't yeah, hate me. Now
3: we're going to. Yeah. well, I no, I never would do that. I mean, I appreciate it. I know where you're going. Go ahead. It's the holiday Re- read season. It out. We
2: are spreading holiday cheer and it, it, it was an interesting situation for the Jets this week because today was the final day of that 21-day window for Aaron Rodgers. The team either had to decide if they were going to activate him or shut him down, and they're they're kind of doing both because they are activating him to the 53-man yeah, roster, I mean, but he's he's not going to play any more games this year.
3: I'm confused now. I'm confused. Okay, so we're going to activate him, right? But we're not. But he's not going to play. Like, what does that mean? Is he going to be the like? We're going to create a roster spot for this, but he's not going to play now. What, but when you activate him, that means they could actually put him into practice, right? Because, but he was on the practice window, so he can continue to do what he's doing. And if he's inactive, he can't play. I mean, it makes no sense to me. The only thing it does, the only sense that it makes, is the fact that they can continue along his rehab on the field. If they would have reverted back to IR, he would not have been able to be on the field with them. So in that way, it does make sense. They're helping his IR, keeping a roster
2: spot open for him. As the team made the announcement official today, Robert Sala spoke to media and answered some of their questions about activating Rodgers. Take a listen.
1: We're still going to keep him on the active. Um, you know, we've got the roster flexibility with all the different things that have happened over the course of the last couple weeks. And um, you know, like I said, it's all part of his rehab, and you know, just having him out on the football field is is a plus mm-hmm. for everybody. It's a plus for him. It's a plus for his teammates, and uh, so we're we're going to keep him on the fifty three. Is
3: this more for
1: practice for him to continue to do? That? Yeah, to continue. Re- it's all part of his, the rehab. So there would be days when he's out there, there. There's days when he's not. And like I said, we we just have the roster flexibility. Otherwise, it, we probably wouldn't be able to afford to do this.
2: So there you go. He does obviously mention the rehab, as you did, but also that it's a good thing for him and everybody around him. So maybe another portion of this is not only that he's practicing and he's able to keep up with the rehab process for the Achilles, but also just to be a presence for his teammates who, I mean, it hasn't been an easy go now. And we know Zach Wilson's still in the concussion protocol as of now. So uh, maybe just his presence and leadership is important.
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously – he he's going to be involved. I think this is really about his rehab more because he can get more done with the team than he can off by himself. So I think that's obviously the course of action. It's shocking we have not heard about. Now, you know, one thing we see, you know, we know C.J. Stroud's not progressing towards playing. We know that. It sounds like Lawrence is, right? Just listening to what Doug Peterson said, reading between the lines, sounds like he might play. The line's not moving that way, but it sounded like it would. And in this case, I don't know. I don't have a read on Zach Wilson playing or not. I really don't. I mean, he's still in the protocol. I don't know what that means. Does that mean we are going to get, you know, we are going to get, uh, we're not going to get him. We're going to get Trevor uh, Simeon. uh, Trevor Simeon. I was going to say Taylor Heineke. We've got so many of these backup (laughs) quarterbacks playing this week. Oh, my gosh. So that's my read on it. I mean, that's kind of what I think. You know, the line and you know, the line that's interesting is Tampa opened up a three point, you know, dog to Jacksonville at home and now all the money has poured in on them and now they're a one point favorite. Which tells me the book thinks that Lawrence is not going to get cleared.
2: Yeah, and and we will we'll dive into that game a little bit more in a moment. Um, but the the way that the Jets line is right now minus three against the Commanders total thirty seven and a half in that one. Both teams eliminated from playoff contention. But I, I want to stick on the Rogers of it all. I know that it's annoying, but I found it interesting that like yesterday when he was on Pat McAfee, he made the comment, and we can play a portion of it. But he he made the comment that it's unrealistic at at fourteen weeks post surgery to expect that he would be out there playing, which is like contrary to everything well, that be, he had which said Which we've been all previously. saying, right?
3: I mean, haven't we said this?
2: Yes. So I was – here, let's play the clip real quick. But I was frustrated specifically by that comment. Unrealistic was the word he used. Play it.
3: I feel like I can play uh, more years and I can be effective uh, into my 40s, which is crazy because I thought that I'd probably be sitting on a couch somewhere at, uh, at 40, but now I, you know, I want to be a starter at 40. I want to be a starter at 41. I want to really? see uh, – what I can get out of this body. I believe in uh, the leadership that we have here. I believe in our guys. I think uh, it's not a situation where we have to uh, rebuild. Um, We need to to, uh, reload a little bit, uh, and there'll be some tough decisions for sure, but uh, I like uh, the pieces that we have in place.
2: So that wasn't quite the clip I was looking for, but the other one was that he which said... he sounds like
3: the GM like, in that clip, do
2: Yes. Well, so that's a whole nother layer to it. But the the one I was referencing was he said, if I was 100% today, I'd be pushing to play. But the fact is I'm not. I've been working hard to get closer to that. I'm still 14 weeks tomorrow from my surgery, meaning today. And, you know, being medically cleared as 100% healed is just not realistic at that 14 weeks, which again is just the complete opposite of what we had heard from him this entire time. But then there, what I found was interesting was he's talking about... About leadership and does the full endorsement for, and there was more to it as well because he talked on McAfee forever, um, but the full endorsement for Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and the whole bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, he's got, he's running the, I mean, just listening to him. We're, we're not that far away. It sounds like a GM talking. You know, we got to, we're, we're not, we can't stay status quo. Sounds like a GM talking. Uh, we got to make some tough decisions. Sounds like a GM talking. Like, he's he's running the team. I mean, he's running the team. And, and this is what they've gotten. So, you know, I'm going to stop. But, you know, the Bill Parcells often told me when I would talk to him on the telephone, quit kicking kick the dog. It's already dead. You know, like, don't make a story out of something that's already gone. Like, the, Sal is back. Quit talking about it. I'm going to quit talking about it. Like, I'm done with it. I'm done with the Jets. I'm done with talking about I mean, if this is what they want to do and you're a Jet fan, I feel badly for you. Because as you said yesterday on the show, when has this ever worked? When has this ever worked where the GM is, the, is one of the players?
2: I think that there are, like, know your role is something that just has been so blurred in recent years, especially in sports, and that, and I understand. It's the
3: LeBron thing. It is. It's LeBron.
2: It totally is. Now, one thing that I will give the Jets kudos for, though, is that they are still going to have their first-round pick this year, which is important. Yeah. Um, especially because supposedly, it's a pretty good tackle draft. You've got the guy from Notre Dame. You've got, um, uh, what's his name, Ulu F- uh, Fashionu. I can never pronounce this poor kid's name, but he's an amazing left tackle for Penn State, like very, very highly right. highly rated and touted. So good opportunity for a bad offensive line to upgrade.
3: Right, and, and the Bears need offensive linemen too. I don't know if anybody's watched their line play. So look, one thing you know, about offensive linemen, especially left tackles that are that have that can't miss label and size to back it with competitiveness, they're going to go early. They're going to go early. They may not go early in the initial mocks, you know. That you know they'll be going, but when the NFL people get into it, there's so few left tackles or few left people that can actually do the job. Uh, I think ultimately you've got to say to yourself, okay, we've got to grab this guy. Look, the Jets know they got they got more than just offensive line issues, right? I mean at some point they got to, what's the scheme? I mean this scheme is not bad it's historically bad.
2: Well and the thing that's so interesting about this whole thing is that clearly it didn't work and we had the whole conversation last year going into this year about how like the one player away the one quarterback away thing it's, it doesn't work. So if they're going to run it back with all of these same people and pieces, what makes you think just because Aaron Rodgers is a part of the fold that it's going to work? Yes, it'll be better. I don't question it'll be better if he's playing every single week, of course. But will it work? And will they be a successful playoff team and a Super Bowl contender?
3: I mean, you're putting a lot of faith in things we haven't seen, right? I mean, you're putting a lot of faith in something we haven't seen all year. We talk about their defense being elite. They go to Miami. And you know Miami with Tyreek Hill was able to throw the ball on them down the field. They picked on DJ Reed, you know, and they made the plays that they had to make. That game was really, and I know the Jets lost their quarterback, but so has a lot of teams, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just keep. It, it all comes back to what is really real about New York, and I'm not sure anything is.
2: Well, another thing that bothered me was Rogers made the comment, "Oh, this offense was built for me and to be built around me." Okay, but we're in week 16. Like, can you not make some adjustments? That's an
3: indictment on the coach.
2: (laughs) We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Lots more quarterback news to update John.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatone, on V the sports betting network.
2: Want to check out VEASAN's betting splits and don't have a Vson Pro subscription yet? No problem. This week only, we are giving everybody access to the betting splits for free. The VEASAN betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in all the action. You find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match that public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events and games as well. Get free access to VEASAN's betting splits all week at vsincom slash splits. That's V S I N dot com slash splits and this is the lombardi line he's michael lombardi i'm stormy Bond and tony and we were talking a little bit about a coach who is likely on his way out of the door and appears in atlanta and arthur smith there was there was um a comment that was made to what is it the georgia public broadcasting on tuesday where Mm -hmm. arthur blank said the organization in one quote, was committed to Coach Smith, but then added the Falcons will assess where they're at and go on from there after the season ends. Mm -hmm. So, um, but while we've already had three coach firings this year, it appears that there are going to be a lot of them on the way. How how many, we had that report earlier this season from Adam Schefter saying that there could be as many as 10. What what would, if if I said a total for you, at over or under nine coaching changes this year, would you go over?
3: I might go under that. Just because I think when you break it down, right, I mean, the question in New Orleans remains to be seen. I, I don't know where that's going to go because, you know, they're, they're playing for it. New Orleans and Tampa are wild cards. I think to get to nine, you're anticipating one of those to open, right? Uh, I don't think people felt Atlanta would open because a lot of people thought Atlanta was going to win the division. But it seems to me to be trending in that direction. Could it be saved? Perhaps. I don't think so. So you know I, I think when you look at that, you you know we know Washington's going to open up. That's a foregone conclusion. We know that there's going to be a discussion in Denver in New England. I don't know if we know the answer of what that's going to bring, but to get to nine, you need some surprises. And I think the surprise, the only surprise place to me that I see is 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 now Atlanta, and could be could it be Green Bay? I don't think so, but could Green Bay because of the way they've collapsed lately?
2: So I was wondering with the NFC South, because there was, I feel like there was high expectations not only for Atlanta, but for the Saints as well. If they don't win the division, could that be one? Or even, so, and I know you're going to hate this, and I hate it too on the surface. It seems like it would be (laughs) such a crazy thing to say, but I've seen some other conversation floating around about could maybe there be a separation from Mike Tomlin and the Steelers after this, like a mutual parting of ways, similar to kind of the conversations that we're talking about potentially happening, happening in New England after this year, although their situation obviously much more dire with the way things have played out this season.
3: Yeah, I, you know, I mean, look, it's not, I, I always tend to look at these coaching changes as what has been the pattern. You know, what is the behavior of the ownership group, right? And I think that they're going to let Mike Tomlin Fix the offense. I think Mike Tomlin's already have plans to fix the offense, whether it's bringing Byron Leftwich, who was a former player there, back as his offensive coordinator who was in Tampa. He comes from the Bruce Arians school, which Mike really likes offensively, because remember, Bruce Arians was there. So my sense of that place there is they're going to let him fix that. I don't think they want to sit out and start looking for another coach because they know, look, they're, they're not stupid. They know Mike Tomlin would last... Ten seconds on the open market. Oh yeah. So like th- they don't react like that. Then and they've never reacted like that. I think New England's a little bit different. I think New England is is really the argument. Everybody thinks the argument in New England is over. You know, should sh- should Belichick is he lost it? The GM, all that. I think the bigger prevailing argument there is the Crafts probably would like to have their team back. You know, for the most part, they've given Belichick as much control as any head coach in the league. And that's been probably the right thing to do. They've won six Super Bowls. They've been in a bunch of them. So how could you argue with that, right? I don't think, but I think now as you know, people say, well, he's had bad drafts. Okay. He's had bad drafts. How did Rob Gronkowski get there? You know, how, how did they, you know, did they win six Super Bowls with no players? I mean, how did James White show up? Did he just roll on campus? How about Shaq Mason or some of the people that played in the Super Bowl games? I think it's a little bit too far. I think it goes down a road. It's a narrative that's not correct. Could they use help? Certainly, but I think there's a, that that conversation is different. Tennessee's made it very clear they're not getting rid of Mike Tom, Mike Vrabel. Now they got to get him under contract, but they're not getting rid of them. And so I I can't get to nine. I really can't. Based on using my logic.
2: Yeah, Tennessee was the other one because there were talks. And again, these are just like media people speculating about options they could have. And obviously Patriots fans, I'm sure, would love to have a guy like Mike Rabel in that room um, with his ties. But there could be a trade but that doesn't seem like the case. And it seems like Gerard Mayo is the name that everybody assumes will go on and step into that role right. once once Bill Belichick is out. But my question about that is if you're trying to like rearrange things and have a change in culture, if Gerard Mayo just gets elevated, you're still going to have so many of the other same pieces around him, no? So is it just the letting go of the GM things that Belichick does that would be different in that case and that would be enough?
3: Yeah, I think it's a it's a reorganization of structure, right? So I think that you know you've had a head coach, everything runs through it. Now you have an opportunity to bring in a head young head coach, let him coach the team, hire a general manager, whether it's Matt Groh, they they give him the full authority to build the team, and use use the and have Jonathan Kraft, who's the president of the team, you know, have him involved in a lot of these decisions. I think that's the natural train. Uh, of thought there that can follow down that road. and, And I can't say that I know that to be happening. I'm just guessing that because, I mean, at the end of the day, Mr. Kraft is really smart and he's got to ask himself, am I better with Gerard Mayo as the head coach than I went with Bill Belichick? Or am I better with Mayo as the head coach in a different structure within my organization? I think that's the question he's asking himself. He's not going to replace Belichick as a coach. He's just not going to. I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers made that pretty clear the other day.
2: Well, and again, I don't think there, there's anybody that watches the game that says Bill Belichick is not good at coaching football anymore. Look at the things that that Patriots defense has done as evidence. Um, it's, it's other things, certainly. And we just had that graphic up on the screen of some of the top NFL assistants around the National Football League right now. Who do you think is going to be the most in demand for a head coaching gig after this season?
3: Well, I I think Ben Johnson's going to get huge money. I think he's going to get huge money. I think he's going to be really there. I think Dan Quinn, if something happens in Seattle, and I'm not suggesting it will, but if something happens where Pete Carroll retires, and there could be one you add that you're not counting on, Mm. if Pete retires, I think Dan Quinn's the heir apparent there. I think that happens there. So I think Quinn there. I think Mike McDonald and Raheem Morris and Brian Flores are really attractive candidates. I can't imagine Brian Johnson, based on the Eagle offense, is going to be a contender, and I can't imagine Eric Bieniemy either. I think to me, there is the media of Eric Bieniemy, and then there's the reality in the league: is Eric Bieniemy really a head coach? I think there's two conversations, and he went to Washington, and look, you know, I thought that finally after 14 weeks or 15 weeks, we, you know, Ron Rivera said I had to protect my quarterback because he's getting them killed. He's getting him killed. His eye level's way down now. So you can call as many pass plays as you want. It doesn't make you a great offensive coach. So I, I don't see that. Uh, Brian Callahan, I don't know how that'll go in an interview. But, I, you know, I think to me, there's so many teams that want offensive minds that I think certainly he becomes a candidate.
2: Yeah, and enemy to your point, like he was somebody who, like this was a prove-it opportunity for him, and it hasn't, Hand out that way, and especially when you throw in the other media reports of the way that his coaching style is not being received particularly well. And whether that's true or not, yeah. we're not in the building. I don't know. But those well, reports have been out there. Well, here's what I would say to you.
3: I, here's what I would say to you. Why haven't they fired Rivera and promoted the enemy?
2: That's what I asked earlier in the season, too. Michael, I'm right there with you. It seems like a golden opportunity to let him take over, see what it looks like, right? Uh, right. If you know you're but moving on from Rivera. There's a reason for that. Yep.
3: There's a reason for that. Now, the media might have a different reason, but I'm not sure they're correct. There's a reason for that. And I think there's a reason why you haven't seen or read from the Washington Post or the Times or anywhere within the D.C. area that there hasn't been a movement to make him the head coach. So now you add those two things together, and I'm not – look, it's deductive reasoning here. Like, there's a reason why Rivera is still there making horrendous decisions on Sundays and he's fired everybody else around him.
2: Lost five in a row, four and 10 team, not great. Uh, Real quickly, last 30 seconds, the Chargers I know are projected to be around 35 million over the cap next year, but is that still the most attractive job because of the Justin Herbert of it all?
3: I think it will be, yeah. I think it will be They get a new facility in El Segundo. They're gonna have facilities. Look, I think the Chargers are probably the team that has to recognize their situation better than anybody. They don't have a fan base that's still in San Diego. They don't have a home field because they left San Diego. And they have to have some credibility. And John Spanos, the owner's son, he came out and talked about, you know, we're going to prove all these people who think we're cheap wrong, right? He, th- You know, he's going to go in there and they're going to make it so that if they're interested in the right coach, they're gonna go get them.
2: Yeah, he was asked specifically if the franchise would be willing to spend 20, 25 million on a coach. He said, I can tell you there have been no discussions internally about there being a max. So expected for no limitations there. We got no way or no doubt. Coming up next on the Lombardi Line, stay with us. Let's
1: go! This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VCN the sports betting network
2: We are rolling on this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by DraftKings alongside three-time Super Bowl-winning executive and strategist, Mr. Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We're coming to you from coast to coast. Michael's out on his side of the country in Jersey. I'm here live in Las Vegas, Circa Resort and Casino in downtown. we got a lot to cover over the next hour. Mike Somich, veteran host and professional handicapper, is going to join us in about 15 minutes, give out some of his favorite plays for the upcoming NFL slate, which is where we will dive in right away because we got lots of quarterbacks to update the folks at home on a couple guys in concussion protocol Zach Wilson still in the protocol CJ Stroud as well as Trevor Lawrence but the Trevor Lawrence one Michael I find pretty interesting because while Doug Peterson said today he's progressing well ahead of their game this weekend against the Buccaneers the line is sitting Jags plus one in Tampa right now which seems to indicate maybe a little more is going on.
3: It does, it really does. I mean, to me, the way this line is flipped, and I know what Doug said, which makes you think, Oh, okay, he's gonna play, but the line indicates there's no chance he's playing. I mean, I, I don't see that. So that's a worry, you know, and, and usually we see these there's a reason for the line movements here, right? And then when you kind of peel back, I know on every board's different, right? Every board has different, you know, DraftKings gets money, you know, it's it's hard to predict everything based on the numbers, but it seems to be like even though Jacksonville's getting a lot of the money, the number's moving towards Tampa, which tells you a very strong tale that, that he's not going to play and that Tampa's going to face C.J. Beathard, yeah, which but- would be perfect. I don't know how to predict Tampa. I really don't. Like I watched him against Atlanta, Stormy, and they, were, they should not have won that game. I mean, Baker let him down the field, it was his best drive of the game. Atlanta played good defense for the most most part. They turned the ball over like they typically always do. And then they go up to Green Bay, and they – Green Bay, they just – I don't know what Green Bay was trying to do with them. I really don't. Green Bay's game plan against Baker Mayfield was just staggering to me, just staggering. Now, the other thing we haven't talked enough about here in this game when it, it pertains to Jacksonville is their health at receiver, right? So we saw Jay's own, Jay Zay Zay Jones, Jones yeah. get hurt. Right, he left the game last week. We know Christian Kirk is still out. So, like, where are they? And and they're a three receiver team with no run game. They have no toughness, and they're a three receiver team. And that's why they've lost three in a row. I mean, they've lost three in a row. They've lost four of their last six games. Since the bye week, we have this perception of Jacksonville as being this elite team. You know, they beat a bad Tennessee team and they went to Houston and won that game down there. But their injury report, I mean, you know, when you sit there and you look at them, you're worried about it. I mean, even ATN last week had, you know, his ribs were bothering him. Is he 100%? Zay Jones went into the game with a knee injury, and he didn't stay in the game.
2: And we're talking about all of these offensive issues, but defensively over this three game skid as well, they've allowed an average of 425 yards per game, 31st in the NFL in that time, they're turning the football over five turnovers in the last two games. There's a lot of stuff that's going wrong with this Jacksonville team. so I think this line is an indication of yes the, the health and the quarterback situation, maybe a little bit of an overinflated view of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a game in which Baker Mayfield threw for nearly 400 yards and had a perfect passer rating and four touchdowns. So if you were, if, if we're betting this game today, which side would you lean based on all the things that we just laid out?
3: I, I would lean towards Tampa and feel like you know their, their defense played okay last week. You know Jordan Love is so inaccurate. It's hard to really judge uh, that. You know there should have been more completions because he is so inaccurate. But I think to me, as a complete team with toughness, yeah. I, I think the Bucks are playing better right now, and they're playing at home. So you got to favor them. And if Lawrence isn't going to play, where do they go for offense? You know, if you don't have Lawrence, you don't have Zay Jones. All you have is Ridley. I mean, I think they can take Ridley out of the game.
2: Good point. A uh, total in this game as well. Sitting 42. Another quarterback. Will Levis dealing with an, an ankle. He's not practicing again today, but he was just at the podium. Said he feels a lot better than Monday. So it seems like trending toward Levis being OK yeah. for that game. They're a two and a half point dog against Seattle. If he was not able to go, it would be Ryan Tannehill. On the other side of that, looks like Geno Smith should be practicing all week. and be good to go, according to Pete Carroll.
3: You know, it's funny, uh, you know, I always, morning I get up, I keep track of the lines and look at the lines, and, and I was surprised to see that, the, that the, the, the service we belong to has Will Levis at, li- listed as the starter, and rarely do they do that. Rarely, do when the, it's usually like the Jets are TBD, TBD, uh, Seattle is even TBD, but, but Tennessee is Will Levis, which I kind of was shocked by. I didn't think he'd be re- ready to play. You know, and so, you know, this is a game where this is a tough matchup for Tennessee. You know, you really you want to fade Seattle after that great win, right? You want to fade them thinking, okay, they're hot to trot. They're coming back. I know they're desperate, but they have not played. You know, they, can they play with any consistency? But this is a matchup that really favors them. They can throw the ball on the secondary. And this team has no ability, Tennessee, to stop the forward pass. They really don't. So I think they can make some plays and I think they can run the ball. I think the way Kenneth Walker ran the ball on that first drive of the second half against Philadelphia was outstanding, made people miss. This is a big game for them. And it's the right matchup for them too, because they they can get a team that's not great offensively, right? I mean, we know Tennessee doesn't throw the ball with great consistency. And if they can stop the run, hard thing to do for Seattle. If they can stop the run, they got a chance to get somewhere. Remember, this this Tennessee team because of their offensive line we have this perception that they're really good at running the football they average they're 22nd in the league in yards per attempt you know they they try to run it they can't
2: um, other injuries, just real quickly, Brian Robinson with the Commanders. He didn't practice again today. He didn't practice last week and did miss their game against the Rams. So maybe on trajectory for that once again, Tyree kill not practicing today, but according to Mike McDaniels, just one of those things where they want to give him as much rest as possible. So he'll be all cylinders go for an important game against the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, this one I did find interesting as well, because we we kind of alluded to this yesterday. Jamar chase for the Cincinnati Bengals will officially be out this This week, potentially even next week as well, though, with a separated shoulder. How impactful is that for Jake Browning? And I mean, obviously such a safety net type of a receiver. What kind of an impact could that have on their game this week?
3: I think it's going to have a huge one, right? Because they're going to walk into a hornet's nest. And now, now I know a lot of the Steeler people are unhappy and they don't and their team's not going anywhere, but this is still a tough venue to play in and And Mike Tomlin'll have his team ready and whether they're good enough. I mean, I think you know losing losing an elite receiver like Chase where he draws the coverage is a real problem. And you know, for the Steelers, they they're going to go against the Bengal team that doesn't have DJ Reader inside, which is really one of their best run players. So Pittsburgh should be able to have a run game unless at, at home, you know. And and I don't know what Mason Rudolph brings. He hasn't thrown a pass since 2021. <laughs> He's always been a quarterback who needs to see a guy open. He needs play action pass. But I think this is a hard game when you take away one. Of the, when you're an 11 team and you take away the one receiver who draws the coverage who basically you can put three receivers to one side and take one to the other side and say, okay, now I know what we have. It makes it hard on everybody else.
2: Yeah, Bengals without Chase laying two in Pittsburgh, total in that one, 37. Let's hit your top teams in the National Football League now, Michael. Um, Every week you update your power ratings based exclusively on numbers. We're not putting bias. We're not putting recent play into this. It is exclusively on your numbers. So let's get through it. Who's your top five in the NFL right now?
3: Well, you know, obviously it's not a hard thing to to, to look at. We know that San Francisco is the best team in the league. I think that's pretty clear. I know you've been saying (laughs) that all year. Baltimore moved up. You know, last week I thought what they did in Jacksonville, I didn't think they played perfectly, but they won. Buffalo has been moving up steadily. Dallas moved down because of the numbers they allowed defensively. And Kansas City stayed at the 15. Miami is 6th. Philadelphia is still in the top 10. Philadelphia, Detroit. And the Rams have moved up quite a bit. Jacksonville has moved down. Jacksonville was trending in the right direction. They're not.
2: Um, Because you mentioned the Eagles, they're not in the top five anymore, but not too far out. They're looking to get out of that three-game skid. It appears Landon Dickerson's going to have thumb surgery today, so he's going to miss time. Potentially out, I think, both of their guards now up front. So uh, what do you expect for the Eagles this week? I know it's Tommy DeVito and the Giants, but it's a big spread for Philadelphia.
3: Well, look, I I think they've always had success against Philly because they can handle the pressure. And the, the giant defensive line struggles to get pressure on Hertz. Now, the way Hertz is playing, you don't need pressure because he's looking at the rush so damn much that his eye level's down and he's taken off. I mean, everybody now sees this on tape. And when he goes out of the pocket, it's not necessarily a good thing for the offense, for the Eagle offense. So, look, the, the, Cowboys, have been, the, the Cowboys have dominated this, the Giants in down and down. They couldn't cover them. And I think the Eagles are in the same venue. I think the Eagles will have – the Giants will have a hard time covering them. Plus, I can't imagine that they're not going to take away this single element of this, of this giant offense, which is just try to get the run game going and throw the quick rhythm game to with the quarterback. I, I don't understand why they didn't make the move to go back to at least Tyrod Taylor to give him a chance.
2: Mm-hmm. Michael, which game do you think we will learn more from? San Francisco, Baltimore, or Dallas, Miami?
3: I think Dallas, Miami. I mean, look, San Francisco-Baltimore, the winner of the game, it's great. They're going to get all the press. You're going to want to bet against them the week after because they're going to be reading their clippings. But they're they they are are two really good teams. The Miami-Dallas game has two teams that have some liability. They're really good teams. You know, they're really good teams. But they have some elements that they're not perfect in. And we're going to find out which team can expose one element and which team can't.
2: And they both need to... Prove to an extent that they can beat a good team. I think that's been such a knock for both of these squads yep. all season and and for Dallas doing something on the road. That spread, Dallas getting a point and a half in Miami, and the 49ers laying five and a half at home against Baltimore. That number surprised me a little bit I think that's going to be a really I think yeah. it's going to be a really close game so um I'm excited it's for a, it
3: interesting number it, it, it's like it's telling you something yeah. and I'm not sure what it's telling you you know
2: it makes me uncomfortable I don't like looking at <laughs> it we will be right back with v Zone Mike Somich professional handicapper joining us next to get some of his favorite plays for the week ahead